This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Longhorn Lager. Time to grab the bull by the horns and get fucking busy. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, yep. Cue the song. It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Welcome to Beer and Bullshit, the podcast. We're back live for those who are listening live. It's live. We're on Patreon. If you guys haven't found our Patreon yet, we got Chris's, we got foot pictures on there. We've got everything, a lot of behind the scenes footage. If you guys are wondering what we look like, we do live streams on Patreon. Big bucks, though. Sometimes I just walk down the street and and I just have like a thought or something like that. And I'll go live. So Yeah. Good stuff. Chris's thoughts. Chris's, like, Bell's Corner, uncut. Sick. Uh, By the way, this is the podcast Beer and Bullshit. We talk about beer. We drink beer. We talk about a lot about bullshit. Mm -hmm. We have people uh, across the Ontario beer industry on the show. Occasionally. Yep. Tonight is no exception. To that occasional rule. Uh, we are both wearing green-ish sweatshirts, a crew neck, uh, if you want to get a visual. Uh, Chris and I, we've already recorded our interview tonight, spoiler alert. We've debated whether or not Chris looks like Harry Bosch from the seven uh, season show Bosch. Uh, people have compared me to a young uh, Gordon Ramsay. Uh, no, <laughs> People have compared Ben to a middle-aged Vladimir Lenin. Okay, I've, I've done some shaping of my goatee. I don't think that's a fair assessment. You called yourself, but I fixed communist it. I think Joe. I fixed it. It was oh, a little. Geez, it was a, more communist. It was a little. Anyway, uh, it's a. It's a. This is your. I think the most listened to podcast uh, in Ontario beer. And if uh, you have statistics to. Claim otherwise, fight. I dare you. And you know what? We always talk about the beers we're drinking, and I always shout out our good friends at Great Lakes Brewery, and they have Uh, uh, their own beer podcast. I saw that. You know what? I think we're fighting. I think uh, Troy Birch uh, has made a mortal enemy with the two of us, uh, a longtime friend of the show, but uh, no longer. I, I really meant to mention this on. You know, the show. This is the show. We actually are recording right no, now. No, no, with our guest, you know, who was also impacted by the news. If you're titillated, prepare to I don't think I would. I, okay, okay, let's, let's get real. Let's get real. I'm going to put on my real hat. Let me take off this one, put on the real hat. And okay. wearing a hat yeah. for those of you that yeah. can't. But now I've got a different hat. I don't think I personally would listen to a beer bot podcast from one specific brewery. That seems to me like it's more uh, advertising and marketing than it is a podcast. I want uncut, unfiltered opinions like you get on beer bullshit every fucking week, most of the time. Until, except for the days we don't feel like doing. Occasionally, most weeks, we will have guests. <laughs> You hear that? that was no, that's uh, my dog being too much chili on Super Bowl Sunday for Ben. <laughs> I got a dog with uh, some issues. Anyway, we love uh, Great Lakes. We're big fans of Troy. We're happy to be the guests on that show because I'm sure they're going to come crawl into the big podcast 
gods that we are, the beer and bullshit. Um, Mecca. Never on the gods of the podcast. <laughs> Should I record in that voice from now on? No. Give him the heater, Ricky. Anyway, buy one. Excuse me. We get, that hurt my throat talking like we got a good show tonight. Uh, a repeat guest. Chris has never met him. Uh, he's the host of the Toronto Beer Podcast, formerly the writer of the Toronto Beer Blog, when people used to read blogs back when people still read things. Uh, he also uh, uh, lives in uh, East Toronto. I, I, no, I had no other thing really? to add to Chris. It's Chris Schreier. He's been on the show. Good guy. Uh, two good guys chucking the knuckles. Nobody gets hurt. Anyway. Uh, do you want to do it in that? Do you want to do it my Don Cherry kind of? That's pretty good. You could do that. Let's go! Two good guys. Bobby Probert. There we go. Wendell. Chuck and the Knuckles. Nobody's getting hurt. Two good Two guys. Two good guys. Nobody gets hurt. I love it. That's uh, Rock'em Sock'em 6. Oh, no. Rock'em Sock'em 5. Is it 5? with the 5 with the techno box. Let's go. Now we're dating ourselves. Yeah, we are. You've seen Rock'em Sock'em 5, and you know what we're talking about. Drop us a line on the Patreon. Again, big money to see us Bobby Orr plus 128. Do you have anything to say other than uh, let's go listen no, to Chris? Let's, uh, okay, let's get into it. Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, if you if you made it through last week and you're still here, <laughs> thanks. We got a good one. Here's Chris Schreier. I'm leaving. No, oh man, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for joining us. The yeah, maybe, cool. Maybe the most prolific podcaster in Ontario beer. I think you have to be now. There's nobody, nobody can touch you with the weeks we skip. And then who else is there? Oh, there's those uh, beer and other shit guys. I don't know how often they go live. They might have me, to be honest with you, because they've been doing it for a long time, I think. Yeah. But are they prolific? I only like prolific. Prolific. They're profilic. Prophalic? They're into dick? What is this? No, no, no. They've got great profiles. Sorry, you should have gone over the ground rules. No, you can talk about Dick. I said Phylic now. Did you hear last week's show? There are no ground rules here. <laughs> I actually haven't heard last week's yet, but that's uh, that's on me. It was a rambling nightmare. Are you drinking water? Are you dry, Chris? This is gin. No, it's water. A pint of gin. It's good for you. Are you guys drinking Negronis or Manhattans or something over there? We are drinking Negronis. Sometimes we do this before we get I've to the I've got beer. a beer port already. We let the beer warm up. It's more just, oh man, what a night. Woo! It's Tuesday. Uh, we are tired as well. And so this is how we power through. I like it. You don't do anything with this video, right? There's no video. This is just so we can see each other. Yeah, yeah. So leave your clothes off. Yeah. Fine. You can cool. go have to put a shirt on. Cool. It's, it was more just like, I would like fluff it a little bit just so it looks a little more impressive. But <laughs> I wondered why it was just the waist down. Like you can. <laughs> You can sit down as well. Especially if you're not going to fluff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like the confidence of a non-fluff. It's really cold in this office, guys, i got to tell you. It's what's an improperly... Uh, what's that? What's going on in Toronto beer these days? You're, you're my only well, reference. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't get told anything anymore. I, I, just, see, I just see people post stuff on social media. So, um, you know, Louis Cypher's closing. Well, that's exciting. I know you knew that because you put it in the agenda. I did, yeah. I thought we could maybe talk about that. And I, I did read the agenda. 
Good for you. My yeah. dog is barking in a closed closet. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Sir, um, your dog is barking in a closed closet. At a closed closet. Oh, okay. I thought you'd put the dog in the closet. No, it would be understandable why he's barking. I wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> you're like, shut up. <laughs> That's why you're in there. Rest in peace to Louis Cipher. Uh, mm. concept from mm. the beginning that got stu- stupider, excuse me, as time went on. Do you know what's funny? Are we? We're in there now. We're talking about it. Okay, that's the cool. The show has started. We officially go. It's go. Well, I just, you know, we didn't really warm up at all, you know, before we started <laughs> dishing on, uh, I mean, on our enemies. You right to the mean part of the agenda, so let's start dunking on <laughs> small businesses that closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm happy no, to small businesses. I love, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, uh, I was thinking about this. I was doing a little recovery work before dinner and uh that sounds terrible i'm trying not to be a douchebag uh i i was having a shower and a sauna at the gym and i was thinking about this and uh i'm not sure that was less douchey, douchey before. <laughs> I, at least it's transparent now it doesn't yeah. leave you wondering recovery work Re- recover because well, the problem is that i could have sounded like i have like a substance abuse problem i was which... picturing like elastic bands i don't know why mm, yeah no that is on <laughs> Stability and prehab day. We got a lot of bands out. Look at you. I thought methadone. Yeah, <laughs> that's where that's what I thought too. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, it's not a company I spent much time uh, involved with in in any capacity, either as a consumer or as a supporter. Or, I mean, I think I had their beers a handful of times at most, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I, I would rate them as highly forgettable. So for them closing to me, it's pff, nothing. Don't care. Yeah, I, I see. I was uh, invited to this soft opening, like friends and family. And for some reason, sat with Mark and Mandy Murphy. So that was fun. They were kind of like scoping the competition. And I, I think I was probably writing about it somewhere, but none of the beers were very interesting. The concept of being like devil themed, which is louis cypher if anyone has missed it mm. yeah now i get like it oh it yeah. sounds like lucifer i mean kind of yeah. and then they started uh, embracing the people's party of canada and the uh, anti-infection enthusiasts and the fuck trudeau crowd and uh, i mean that's just shit on top of shit for me so see you later that's a that's a bit growing crowd it's one way to uh announce your demographic to the world i suppose do you think, yeah, I guess it probably is. I mean, if your whole thing is you dislike Justin Trudeau, that's certainly a growing crowd. But I think you they go a little harder. As our friends and, uh, not our friends, but <laughs> the folks, as the folks at Innocente seem to be doing, they're doubling down on their uh, demographic. They have like the, the stand-up comedian that they've done a, a, a collaboration with and who seems to be there quite often is also horrendously offensive and stupid. So good on that guy. Which is unfortunate because his name's Ben and the beer is called like Ben Beer. I'm like, ah, Perfect. <laughs> something like that. At the risk of being a little generalist, I would say that craft beer consumers tend to lean more to the liberal side. So if you're putting all of your craft beer drinking dollars into one demographic, I don't know that I'd go with the conspiracy crowd. Well, so, but the, the, the flip to that is it's an untapped market. Sure. it's true you could do like well then there's that guy in the united states who did uh uh he was called like proud dad and he did like non-woke beer or something in the in the wake of the bud light stuff and uh people just fully embraced ordering like 60 dollars cases of beer and i bet it didn't even have to taste like anything 
he hasn't delivered anything. They're all just raging that he they ordered beer six months ago and it hasn't showed up and he's it's all a big bust. That's I, that sounds like a good scheme. Yeah. I, mean, I like a scheme. It sounds about right. But I don't know. I, I think I would maybe question yeah, I don't know if we're all just like the vocal, you know, the 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 woke left on social media that seems to support craft beer, but I, I guess the people that drink craft beer tend to skew left of center. But I think part I of think- the thing with especially like Innocente and and Lou I can't even say it right. Fuck. Uh Louis Cipher is um there was a time when there was sort of an expected like an unwritten code for what craft brewers were supposed to be like and that's why people got so pissed off at like ace hill and like lifestyle branded craft beer because it's like you're not playing by our rules right that we don't do that like we make good beer and shitty t-shirts and you guys do it the other way right (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so in a in a way it's that these guys it's it's the it's different you know ingredients but it's the same recipe people are mostly angry at them because it's like well they don't fit the perceived norm of what we think of 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 craft brewers um and so you know it pisses people off but bigots you know they they should have access to craft beer too unfortunately for them in the two cases we've talked about it's pretty bad craft beer so yeah so well that's the other thing i mean if the beer was mind-blowing is this a different conversation uh, That's an interesting question. I don't know. Did you guys ever see the beer Yellow Belly that was made by uh, Omnipolo? So they re- released this beer only in the UK, and the can was dressed up like a Ku Klux Klan member. Uh, and it was called Yellow Belly. I'm in. <laughs> it was called Yellow Belly, and it was saying that, you know, racist and bigoted people in the southern United States are are disgusting so it's kind of ironic it was meant to be ironic but like you know i'm not really getting that i'm just looking at kkk members on shelves and thinking why the hell would i buy that and bring it home for the underlying irony that's that's yeah you got well and then and the irony that they're trying to make a political satirical statement but are using a racist term to do it yeah. Is yellow belly racist? No, I think that was more your cowardly, but not but I, not a well known enough term for people to know that immediately. But it must that you're come calling from racist people cowards. Does yellow belly really have racial origins? I, I thought it was related to uh, like yeah, Asian fear. Asian fear. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. You get to hear my clickety clack keyboard. Yeah, yellow belly. Should I be offended by? yellow belly beer i should be offended by that i've been scared of my wife many times I've never <laughs> uh i actually don't see much I'm i might offended. be wrong about that i'm offended no, i don't think so anyway i always like to challenge the assumption that uh there's some few instances that like we challenge like what craft beer is supposed to be like i would argue that lost craft came out of the gate as a company that everyone was kind of like that's a lifestyle brand get out of here it's a you know it's a contract brewer, but like who cares like the guy who started the company is a good guy he likes beer but he wasn't like a beer guy so he did it his way and it's working out for him like what are you getting mad about i think if you're just not a piece of shit then like (laughs) i don't know the ace hill people but we seem to we've dunked on them for like a decade and it's still pretty fun and the other assumption is that i think we all assume that like i'm liberal and i drink beer so the people that make the beer i like must be liberal too which is like 
a crazy assumption. Like yeah. when Steve Harper steps stopped it in Amsterdam, people went fucking ballistic. And it's like, yeah, the Prime Minister of Canada said he was gonna stop by your brewery. So they said okay. And everyone was like, I'm never drinking that beer again. I'm like, you know they have to work with whatever party's in office, right? That's just how business works. But it always kind of amazes me that people are kind of naive about that. Well, and the other thing, like I mean, I do, but yeah. <laughs> no, but but I'm like fine. Like I understand. Like if your MP or your MVP is like not the same political stripe as you, but you need something done, that's who you talk to. They're in party. That's the you want their ear. You gotta show up. You gotta have a little photo shoot with the ding dong. Yeah, I don't know. And the other thing to remember, like there's a certain size brewery, and Amsterdam was definitely well past that threshold. Uh, at the time, and especially now that they're European owned, but like, I didn't know Jeff all that well who owned Amsterdam at the time, but given the car that he drove and the fact that he owned that type of a business, I'm willing to bet he probably was interested in, you know, not paying a lot of tax. And if that's like your main political driving factor, there's one party to vote for, Uh, (laughs) you know? Uh, And, and I know for a fact, there's a brewery that we're all fond of and they tend to skew on the more conservative side in uh in in a lot of the way they politically do things and no one gets too upset about that so it happens send me a message it's great lakes okay i was gonna i was gonna say, was gonna say did you know it's great lakes day yesterday <laughs> <laughs> yeah I but, mean... but yeah, and like fair play like if you're worth a lot of money and that's kind of the main thing you're being driven by you know yeah, I think some people think government should watch out for your bottom line and let you do what you want. And some people think government should look out for its most vulnerable citizens. That's how I basically broken down left versus right in my 40 years of trying to figure out where that dichotomy ends. And that's yeah. where it is. Yeah. Some people vote for the people that are going to keep the more money in their pocket. I, like I have friends who I've gotten into political debates about and have said, oh, yeah, but what about not like doing a whataboutism, but like this this is a thing that the, the, this conservative government of this time did and and you were all right with that and they're like not really but i didn't have to pay a lot in taxes right it's like oh so th- it's a remarkable how far that goes yeah the fact that little pp peter polyev actually has some traction and we, people are willing to ignore a lot of the shit he does because presumably he's better at business because he's conservative Anyway, this is now becoming a political. Yeah, yeah, this is the. Uh... No, no, I was going to add one more political thing. Yeah. Uh, I spoke with an older gentleman, and he said, "Hey, it's the longest running story in uh, in Canada. We pretend we're not a two party system, but we are, and we have the Liberals go in for eight to ten years. They spend and spend and spend and spend and build a massive deficit, and then the Conservatives come in for eight to ten years, work all the way back to balance it, and then we're like, we need to get back on the social issues again. It just cycles and cycles." And cycles, and it's pretty bang on. It's a bit of a flash shatter moment. You did. Yeah. We tend to skew politically back and forth. No, no, I realize that, but I, you're in such a predictable idiot. way. Fucking, <laughs> oh, that's fun. We went on a little tangent there. Like, that was great. That was, great. but back to breweries that closed because didn't you close another brewery? Didn't I close another brewery? Yeah, weren't you directly culpable in the demise of Rhythm and Brews? I if you if their fans have anything to say about it, it was my fault. I just accurately predicted it. Oh. No, I think you went in there and you put the sheriff's chain on the door handle. 
<laughs> I asked them to start selling Bud Light so I could have good content for my Instagram, and then it all spiraled from there. You're like the meme business has been a little lean recently. Could you do me a favor? I mean, Bud Light. I mean, they're dead and gone, so it feels a little bit like they're like literally kicking a dead horse. But yeah, I mean, once a brewery starts selling Bud Light, it, you know, the writing's on the wall. You to be get... fair, what we're doing here uh, is dancing on a grave, not kicking okay. a dead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Kicking cool. a dead horse, I think, is expecting something out of the horse. This is just celebrating that they're dead. Interesting. Really? Is that really <laughs> not kicking a dead horse? So that's like drawing blood from a stone kind of thing, trying to get something out. I, I think that's the implication. The, the horse is dead, but you still are trying to get it to work for you, so you're kicking it. Yeah. Um, speaking of kicking a dead horse, I'm gonna just put this out there because it's a great question. Mm. And if you're a listener to this show, mm. and you is listen- that your dog? Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. I thought it was Chris for a second. There's something over there he wants to chew on. I shouldn't have had uh, some for dinner. Is it a ball or something he can see? If it's a hardball, don't give it to me. He eats fucking hardballs. It's good content. Can you say hardball? Do you mean like a baseball hardball or just a ball that is hard? A baseball that's obnoxious. Anyway, okay, here's the question. And if you've already listened to the Matthew Renda show, owner of Bosch Kung Brewery, you've already heard this question. But okay. it's a question from. Uh, Chuck Klosterman's book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. <clears throat> there is a fully grown Clydesdale horse chained to the ground. Cannot move. You okay. can kick this horse to death and free all political prisoners on earth. Do you do it? And you're allowed to wear steel-toed boots. <laughs> Which, what am I releasing? All the political prisoners on earth? Yeah. I just pick the country that I want. No. Yeah, assume, assume they're unfair. Well, so I mean, the the cheeky answer out of the gate is there's probably some political prisoners I want to keep keep in jail. So right. right. <laughs> uh, no, I mean this is an interesting philosophical question, but um, in in no way do I need to accept the fate of political prisoners that are imprisoned due to systematic problems that are well outside my control killing a horse shouldn't and like i don't need to feel bad about not killing the horse not killing the horse okay you wouldn't do it no there are other ways to impact political change instantly free all political prisoners on earth i would kick the fucking shit out of that horse just to say they wouldn't just almost immediately become arrested again the system that arrested them hasn't nothing has changed you've Mm -hmm. just moved them from one space to a different one I'm going to get up and get what my dog means because Chris is not a very good dog owner. If <laughs> I thought you meant me. I'm like, my dog's very happy right now. She is so sitting fun. on the couch on a pile of cushions because she is a queen. Um, See, I'm a bit more of a greater good kind of guy, you know, like sacrifice the million to save the billion kind of thing, you know, if I got to talk in raw numbers. Yeah, but I don't think this is a pure uh, trolley uh, problem. Yeah, great job, Ben. Um, <laughs> Something over there has him vexed. I'm not- here's if if the question was different. If if it was kick the horse to death, and all political prisoners are freed, and the structures that imprison them are rectified, I probably would kill the horse. Okay, that's got to be at least two horses. <laughs> if the prisoners get out of the jail for just one day, I'm kicking that horse to death. Sorry, can I also just point out that I don't think any of us could actually kick a Clydesdale to death because you'd have to be kicking so high, like you would need a lap. It's chained to the ground. Oh, you like it's pinned down. I, I picture like a I picture like a spread eagle situation. Uh, <laughs> I was picturing it standing but chained so it couldn't move, and I'm like, you can't get to that. Like Clydesdales are bigger than you think. 
No, they're massive. Anyway, we were talking about beating a dead horse, and it came to mind as one of my favorite questions. I'd forgotten that we were talking about that. That is an interesting question. Do you do you know what my favorite uh, question is? We didn't go over ground rules. There are none. Go. I think. Oh, I think I've actually said su- no. You know what? I forgot. I submitted this to one of your your yeah, <laughs> and and actually, I remember now. You and Kevin Freer, the three of you, with Kevin Freer, I think you guys went on a real long tear and then cut it out because <laughs> there was a bit of a clear sound of an edit break, and then you were all like, um, like with no preface X. It, my question is is that I love asking a bars is uh, if you if you had to give up one of these two things for the rest of your life, would it be eating cheese or receiving oral sex? Oh, yeah. Which would you? Which would you give yeah, up? You definitely went into detail about that one. But in the actual episode, you guys were like, "Okay, that's interesting," and it's like, "Well, with uh, no preface, I would take the cheese." Yeah, I'd take the cheese. Yep, cheese. Cool. And <laughs> next question. So I don't know what happened in that conversation, but I believe I think, I think there was. I think we'll never reveal what happened on the edit on the edit deck. Yeah, I think you were on the back deck and my pool deck, but I, I think there may have been something related to the frequency with which that still happens for three married guys and whether or not cheese is more important or more available at this stage in our life i literally asked that to uh like the couple that's one of like probably our best friends as a couple you know you got one of them and we were over at their house drinking wine and the conversation was getting a little goofy it was appropriate i asked the question and and without even blinking the the fella in the relationship goes uh cheese man he goes my birthday only comes once a year <laughs> and he missed out that next birthday yeah, yeah. well I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't imminent so he uh gave himself a bit of buffer you know good times anyway rest in peace louis cypher that yeah that's a, that's a real you. shame or something are you guys sure it's Lu- it was louis cypher and not louis cypher I don't know. Lewis Suffer sounds more like Lewis Suffer. It's Lewis. It sounds more like Lucifer. That's why I didn't key on it. There's a, a forgive me, and this won't last long. Believe me. There's a Welsh international rugby player <laughs> who just uh, entered what's known as the international player uh, program for the NFL. So it's a way that uh, people from other sports who have comparable potential skills can get in and, and potentially be uh, drafted. There was a guy uh, played in the NFL. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm assuming you guys watch football. I don't. So, uh, but there was a fellow called Christian Wade who came from, I think the extra chiefs played two seasons, I think. Uh, and then left. He wasn't enjoying it. But anyway, there's this kid from Wales who is the fastest winger. Uh, I think in certainly in English and uh, Welsh rugby might be the fastest winger in the, in world rugby right now. But anyway, he has left and done this, but his name is um, Louis Reese Zamet. L O U I S. Mm. But from the moment he started playing international rugby and was on TV and people were saying his name, everyone called him Lewis. And so now everyone just universally calls him that. And like, he'll frequently be like, you guys know my name's Louis, right? And they just, people are like, right. Anyway, talking to Louis Rezamit over, (laughs) they just like refuse to say his name properly. So wait, there's a program to bring rugby players into the NFL. Mm -hmm. Not just rugby players, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's really? called the it's called the IPP. It's the International Player uh, Program. Do they just get annihilated, or do they farewell? It depends. So this kid's probably going to get the crap kicked out of him. He's not built like a football player. He's built like a rugby winger. There are monsters in the NFL that yeah. he's never seen a rugby pitch. I'm going to say pitch. That sounds right. It, it is absolutely a rugby pitch. Yep. Yeah, that's right. No, so like on the one hand, the main interest that uh, the NFL has in rugby players is in kicking. So again, I don't know that much about the NFL, but there are rugby players who will kick goals. So I know in in American football, when you have to kick in conversion, they basically just put it in the middle of the field for you and you kick it. In rugby, you have to kick the the conversion in a uh, you draw a perpendicular line coming out from where you touch the ball down in the in goal area and you have to kick from there uh and so if you score right in the corner you're kicking from the touch line basically uh so when you factor in the math involved there uh there are guys who are kicking 60 65 meter uh conversions easily like with with regular uh that's something they just regularly do and so NFL teams would die to have some of these rugby guys as kickers, because if you're kicking from directly in front of the posts, they would literally never miss. Like it, they just, and some of those guys could probably hoof it. Kicks in the Super Bowl, Chris. I don't know if you watched it, but they were I did not. The three longest kicks in Super Bowl history yeah, was... all happened on Sunday. How long were they? 50, 53, and I don't remember. 55 the... and 57. That's in good. yards, right? Not meters. Right. That's yeah, that is. So yeah. meters, it's slightly less. More? I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah. Rugby kickers, good rugby kickers will kick that easily. But especially when it's straight, when you're not having to because you know, when you're straight like that, and then as you're going further and further out, those posts get closer together. Um, yeah. So that's the main thing that the NFL wants rugby players for. That said, I think Zamet is going as a running back or as a wide receiver. They run a lot, right? Yeah, they both do. <laughs> I know the running back runs a lot. I meant the wide receiver the runs. Ball a lot. runs. One gets into position to catch the ball. A lot of the positions involve running. <laughs> you really call it run ball. He literally, in some of his GPS stats, has been clocked at. Uh, 40 kilometers an hour running. That's so T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Well, what it actually is, is um, uh, Usain, right Usain Bolt will top out in a 100 meter sprint at like 46 kilometers an hour, but he sustains that for the length of the, the sprint. These guys are doing it for Second. three three strides. They're hitting that speed. Um, but still, I mean, that's like at least Seven times faster than I can run. That's pretty fast for a guy named Louis. Louis. I'm going to crack a beer. Chris, are you not drinking for a reason or just tonight? What's happening? I'm not drinking because it's Tuesday. (laughs) I try not to drink alcohol Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but. It's Sandy Judgy. I've got. That was the least amount of peer pressure I've ever applied to someone who's already reaching for a beer. But I took Monday. Yeah, but you said the word beer. Did you listen to my podcast today? I didn't. I'm sorry. Guinness Zero. I hear great things. Not bad, man. Not bad. It tastes just like the real deal. I'm opening a Birdie Juice IPA from Farm League. Uh, Farm League sent me some beer. Mm. 
I, I, I totally wasn't really on my radar, and everything I've had has been a banger. So shout out to Farmley. Are right. they local to you? I've heard of them, but I don't know where they are. Cambridge. Actually, really no. local to you, but lo- closer to you than me, I think, right? I'll take it. Their cream ale was a banger, and I love a good cream ale. Their IPA was very nice. Uh, they sent me two IPAs. This I'm one. drinking the Fun Police IPA right hmm. now. This one is only 4.2% IPA, so we'll see. Steve Abrams gave me this bump start uh, Harmon's IPA. That's another non-elk. We had Steve on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, the closest non-alcoholic beer to taste like beer that I've had yet. And that is the nicest thing I can say about non-alcoholic beer. I said the exact same thing to him, and that's why he gave it to me, I think. Uh, they, we did a craft beer night thing at the club. The squash section put it on. You, you want me to get douchey? Let me tell you about going to the squash section's okay. craft beer festival at the club. <laughs> um, but uh, so Two Loons was there. Mm, do you get Two Loons down your way? Oh, what's Two Loons? Two Loons is a brewery that makes, I think, the best IPA in the province. Two Loons? Mm-hmm. Is two Two, like the number loons, like the black and white bird that flies underwater. I'm familiar with both. He's making a bad joke about toonies and loonies. Two loons is a tune. Oh, I misunderstood what you said when you said tune. I've known him since kindergarten. I catch the nuance of this. You guys are vibing there. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, two loons IPA is bonkers. Two loons. Okay. Okay. Have you had High Alive from Cigar City? Uh, Yes, I have. It reminds me a lot of High Alive. High praise. Okay. That's a, that's a nice beer. So Chris, now, zero Guinness. Yep. Guinness zero or zero Guinness? What? It's Guinness zero, I think. Okay. Uh, there has been a recent recall of bit. those for <laughs> cancerous no, just kidding. Man, it would have been so funny if I just spit-taked all over my screen. Just, but, the, but again, this video doesn't do anything, so there's no point. We are recording it, but then I just immediately delete it. So yeah, you, you chop out the audio. It would make it like a, a looping video of that if you did spit-take. There was a pub owner in London this week that came out and said the, the two-thirds, one-third pour uh, with Guinness is horseshit. Doesn't make the beer taste any better. It's just a marketing ploy from Guinness, you know, and then he's got certain people outraged by that, but then other people saying, hmm, you know, Guinness is like a marketing machine. And the first time that was ever mentioned was 1990 in an ad campaign. The way to pour the beer properly? Yeah, you pour it two thirds, let it sit for 60 seconds, and then you pour the last third. Presents better, the bubbles are better, et cetera, and so forth. Listeners to the podcast will know I went to Ireland and talked about this far too much. Um, but this guy says no, it's 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 rubbish, and you know Diageo and a few others came out that it has to be that way. It's the only way it will taste good. You pour it the wrong way, it will taste terrible. Like, well, that's an indictment of your beer if you can't just pour it all the way up. But this guy says, "Who's this guy?" He's a pub owner in London, London, Ontario. The good London or your London? Uh, the good, hey, the yeah. good London. I'm prepared to say it. <sighs> and. So he's like, I would pour it straight up if I if I could, but all my customers would would jump on. And apparently, there's a group, two hundred fifty thousand strong of Irish guys that travel around Europe and just tear people apart if they pour the Guinness wrong. Right. No Irish people go to their bars after that. I think I, I've met those guys. I can tell you, as a bartender in an Irish pub from in the nineties, uh, it would have been a lot better to not have to pour beer that way because to have to like pour a Guinness and then go do a couple other things and come back to it. It was like 
the proper Guinness takes 121.1 seconds to pour or something like we yeah. did. I don't know. It would have been nice to just be able to go. Well, so, I mean, here here's a fun project. You know, you guys come down here to Toronto. I'll take you over to the club. They serve Guinness and they serve a lot of it. So it's pretty fresh for Toronto. Your racket club or your recovery club or your. It's all, it's all the same. It's all the same club. Okay. It's all the same club. Um, but, and then we can set up, we'll do a triangle test. We'll yeah. get two poured properly, one poured improperly. We won't know. And it doesn't even matter what we think. We just see if we can pick one out as being the outlier. That's like, how you, that's, that's how you test that thing. That said, I think I, myself, if there's a difference, I probably might notice it. Ben, I don't know what your palate's like these days. I wouldn't be surprised. I think people underestimate how easy it is to spot differences in beers. And Chris, no offense. I don't know anything about how much you drink and how, well, I don't know if you've taken the blue pill or not. Since <laughs> taken. I feel like I can turn it on, but I don't bother. Like there was a time when I used to really gave a fuck. And there was a time when I actually was like, I got remember writing an article for the Global Mail about beer glassware because I was like, I was a contrarian. I, I, you know, you know me, and I was like, fuck beer glasses. It doesn't make a difference. I drink from a fucking mason jar. Fuck everybody. And then I was like, you know what? I gotta find out. So I, I wrote to Spiegel. Spiegel, or out, yeah. And I got the glassware. I got, I got one of everyone, and I did a, I did a side by side, and you, you actually can taste the difference if it's poured in the proper glassware. I, I could. Yep. So, no, I agree. But, but now, but now but, Guinness too, right? But I don't do it anymore. I watch your podcast and I watch you dissect the beer. I, I, I just don't do it anymore. You're, yeah. you're good. Jordan St. John has, and Crystal Luxmore when she was doing. They, you guys are much better at it. I think I have the vocabulary, but maybe not the palate. <laughs> so where well, I, I from, Chris? What I do is I hear someone like yourself describe how a beer tastes, and then I'm like, huh. You know what? There is a little bit of cherry in there now that you mention it. Then yeah. I taste it. Most of the time, my beer taste notes are. Eh, Chris also knows that's pretty good. Chris would Chris would tell you about nuance Schreier between different hop varietals, and you can pick that apart. And that, if you were to take, do like a sensory course and like smell different very varieties of hops and think about it, the next time you had an IPA, you could probably pick them out yeah two times later i'd forget i'm not saying it's easy chris i think you have a good palate no no so i would argue in in a in a sense so hard to say because there's always there's anatomy involved right um and so some people literally just have a more uh robust sense of smell and taste and that just that's just the world Um, much more defined sense for both as my in my experience but but then the flip is is I mean it's it's like it's like any He's standing up that's the flip right there bud. <laughs> but you have to do it and you have to you have to be intentional about it and so you I mean short of having no sense of scent um, if you have a sense of scent you can intentionally spend time thinking about the things that you eat and drink and how they taste but for most people that just you know it's it's like doing something extra and hard and why would you do that when you just want to eat or drink the thing and enjoy it um and so yeah most people don't don't fucking care um i mean it's funny so i did just record the the podcast i did last night that came out today was talking about guinness zero and i think to 95 percent of the population they even if you stood a regular guinness and a guinness zero side by side and they drank them they probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two of them if they did a triangle test, they would fail. It would just be like they're it's all the same beer. 
I get a little bit of um, malt extract to this. And I looked at the uh, recipe, they actually back sweeten it. So I think there's a little unfermented sugar that I pick up on my palate. But like most sure. people, A, wouldn't know what malt <laughs> extract tastes like and B, wouldn't identify. Oh, I think that. Mm. So, you know. Yeah, I'm going to do a side by side test. I bet I'm going to pick up that malt extract. <laughs> now that you put the idea. Now that you mention it. Now that you, but then, you know, it's funny. I used to fuck with people sometimes. Uh, when I, when I'd be at Castro's lounge a lot more, like just as a customer, like I was the beer guy and everyone kind of knew, Oh yeah. If you got a question about beer, ask Chris, he knows uh, everything, which I don't, but, um, it's nice to be, you know, valued. Um, but then I would just, I would tell like, I would, people would be like, Oh, oh yeah, I'm having this. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, give me one of those too. I'm like, Oh, give me an octopus wants to fight. This actually predates the existence of octopus wants to fight, but that's another story. Um, and be, okay, yeah, yeah, they're really hoppy. And I'm like, yeah, like you might notice a little like grapefruit peel. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, hmm, oh yeah, a little little grapefruit peel. You might notice a little interior latex paint. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, a little little interior latex paint. It's like, no, there's none of that in there. That's I'm just demonstrating to you that anything I say, you're going to think you taste. <laughs> like you've invested way too much uh, uh, authority into me. <laughs> It's like sideways with uh, Paul Giamatti's characters drinking the wine, and then Thomas Hayden Church is just like he's like, "Oh, that is, oh, that is tighter than a nun's ass." And then Thomas Hayden Church, "Oh yeah, that's tight." He's just like repeating the notes, but it's true. But I also think that uh, there's a there's an element of uh, creative writing. Like if you can make some some funky tasting notes, like like uh, like oh, this is like wet autumn barn blanket. And you're like, what the fuck? Okay, yeah, yes, that's. A way to describe what I'm smelling. Yeah, I'm like, getting a little bit of that. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever read uh, The Malt Imposters? No. It's this whiskey review website, and they write these absolutely like gonzo reviews. Like the one that I always uh, pull up for people when I want to demonstrate, it's for um, uh, Glenn Livett, maybe. Anyway, and it's like uh, you're presented with the aroma of a lemon that's just been removed from the cavity of a roasting turkey that's being brandished by an overworked, underappreciated housewife, uh, tired of hearing for the, the, the last time why it is that her husband has arrived home 25 minutes later than he said. Like, it's just this crazy picture. But in it, there's these notes of flavor that show up. And like, they're not fooling around. Those are the tastes that, but the way they connect the ideas, it's just insane and quite humorous. Yeah. If you've ever read uh, a worst beer blog, uh, that guy does amazing tasting notes along like, like, and whiskey too. He does whiskey and beer, but it's the same vein. It's, it's got the intricacies of like good uh, creative writing and, and actual like, yeah, that's a real flavor. Like I can actually understand what you're trying to describe. There's a balance there. Was that the guy who did the beer fast before I did the beer fast? Uh, I I don't know, actually. Someone's... There's an American guy who had a, a blog as well, and I thought it was that one, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. I'm mixing a beer blog and someone else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter. All irrelevant. Yes, yes. Um, so I was going to ask you about uh, something about non-alcoholic. It's gone now. Great content. Good, good call. I should make notes. <laughs> I have notes here. Mine says, uh, okay, Louis Cipher. We can scratch that up. Louis Cipher. Louis Cipher. Louis Cipher. Anyway, 
Definitely call it Louis Cipher because that, yeah, that's how I it's like Saint Louis Bar and Grill. It's definitely not named after Saint Louis. Uh, so okay. it's not like that. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> it's the opposite um, of that. I get it. Are you looking for a smooth, lightly filtered lager with a balanced taste and crisp finish? Yeah, you are. So grab the bull by the horns, guys. Longhorn Lager from Farmer's Creed Beer is available at Select Beer and LCBO stores. Details at FarmersCreedBeer.com. Can we rant about the cost of beer on this show? Is oh, that- you wanted to do that. Yeah. Many times well, before. I know, but like I think it's getting crazy now. Here's the here's the here's the okay, here's what made me bring this up, and then here's why I feel bad about it. What made me bring it up is the cost of beer at a recent beer event at Blood Brothers. And uh, why I feel bad about it is because the fucking craft beer industry is hurting and I want to support them. But also, the Blood Brothers thing they do, which is called like Over the Tap or something, it's an annual event they do, uh, it was $17 to get in the door. And then there were four ounce pours that varied from 7 to $12. So you pay 17 bucks just to get in the door, and then you're basically paying for what would be a $60 pint. $12 for four ounces of beer is fucking insane. What about if you got four $7 beers, five $7 beers, and you're on $35 a pint? Sure, sure. I definitely I took the extreme of it. You know, I'm being a little contrarian, <laughs> for sure. What else were you getting? Can we discuss why it was $17 to get in and not 20 or 15 I don't know. That's a weird number. That is a weird number. It seems like they did math to get to that number, and you're like, I wouldn't question that. Seventeen seems like a good number, the prime number. The menu is costing fourteen thirty, so it's seventeen. Yeah, yeah, two seventy. That's what we want <laughs> per head. Seems about right. I'm not gonna pick on Blood Brothers, but I kind of am. But like that, I mean, the price of beer is getting stupid. There was a, a there's a very good brewery that I like that. Uh, uh, I went to go buy some of their beer, and short cans were seven dollars a can. I'm like. Is this a four? Like, is this a two pack? What's happening? Like, it's getting pretty stupid now. Like, I will confess to having a twelve pack of Miller High Life bottles in my garage right now because you know what? It's cheap and it's just fine. Like, I'm as snobby as the next guy, but fuck me, it's getting expensive to drink craft beer now. Yeah, it, like I I kind of agree, but the flip to it is like, well, you don't have to drink it. You can drink something else, as you've just pointed out. Right. And it's the same like with the festival. Like, is that a lot of money? Yeah. It, was it worth it? I don't know. I didn't go. Um, but for some people, like, actually, this almost goes to that same thing we were saying earlier about sort of like the perceived ethos of craft brewing. Uh, you know, oh, it should be for since uh, <laughs> it should be for everyone. I realize that beer for everyone is a slogan, and I'm not talking about that. That part of beer should be for everyone. But from a from a financial point of view, for poor people, <laughs> everyone is included except except poor people. <laughs> we're racially open. We're <laughs> we don't discriminate based on. We're inclusive if your politics are right and you got money. <laughs> yeah, you got to be you got to be rich, but also woke. So a big tent for the woke and wealthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Beer is a luxury item. It is not a necessity. That's not what the government said during the pandemic. Must I remind you? Yeah, it was essential. Yeah, well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't if a, 
I think we've soured. Maybe I don't know because we've soured on this idea. We used to be pretty like militant. Maybe that maybe the, I'm using we a little liberally, but like there was a time when it was like craft beer stands for something. We're not the big guys. We are the pure blah blah blah. And now we're just kind of like ah, oh, it's fucking expensive. Like fuck it. Like I don't know if it's really, well. Here's a question. Are for we you just guys. yeah? This is the right venue to ask it. We're here to talk about beer. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, the world has gotten significantly more expensive. Inflation, blah blah blah. Has the price of craft beer risen at the same rate as the cost of other? Uh, you say it's a luxury, Chris. I say as other staples of the household. Uh, I mean, I don't believe that it has. I yeah. mean, I've got a can of beer that's gone up thirty cents from three thirty to three sixty. Yeah, exactly. Less of a difference than what I'm seeing yep. on produce and dairy products and whatever else. Yep, absolutely. You're saying it's less. Oh, I'm saying yeah, the way less. Our friends in in the craft beer chain are not crying about supply chain. They're not saying, well, inflation, and then we're ramming prices down our throat and while all the you know, grabbing record profits. That's not what's happening. They're trying to stay afloat. Right. Um, and I don't I mean, no, no, they're definitely pay extra for I'll pay the extra 30 cents. Why are you the everyman liberal all of a sudden? What's happening here, banker man? Hmm. I'm going to argue the other side. But like, fucking, okay, I get it. A cost we of just a, talked not, about, no, like, we talked about breweries closing no, all the, the cost time. Of a, because they're charging I us. get it. The cost of aluminum has gone up. The cost of cardboard has gone up. The cost of all their ingredients has gone up. The taxation is fucking insane. So I get what you're saying. So that's why that's the other side of this is like, God damn, I want to help these guys and support them. And I'm like, Fuck, like you can get an okay beer and not pay seven dollars for a short can. So, like, at the end of the day, like, how much of this is on me? Like, that's at the, that's <laughs> at the wide end, though, right? I mean, you're leading with the twelve dollar four ounce. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there, it's craft beer. Like, I, I feel like splurging. I'll get a five dollar tall boy at the LCBO, or but it, should that be craft beer's market? Like, should they be like, hey, we're the splurge? Like. But I was no, I've been I was a Bellwoods fanboy for like a decade. But like I was I literally it. about to bring Bellwoods up because it's amazing. Yeah. I love it, but love I don't it. love it that much more than Checkvar, and it's half the price. Exactly. I walk into the LCBO. I love Bellwoods, and I'm like five dollars for a tall boy. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, Checkvar. I think is two thirty five. Like yeah. it's less than half the price. Fresh Checkvar. You get some Pilsner or Kell at the LCBO. It's really nice. Hey, you were telling me you don't get good Pilsner or Kel. Don't you try and sweeten me up with Pilsner or Kel. No, no. I said, I forget the argument we had, but I had. I think you just said it was never fresh. Yeah, it's true. That's what I was just saying. And you've said on the show before, it's overrated and shitty. Now you're bringing it up like it's a great beer. I've never said that. He's playing to the crowd. He knows how to read a room. My 12th favorite Czech Pilsner. That's not accurate at all. I've never said anything about that. Actually, I used it as an opportunity to like just dish on the crappy LCBOs in London. So I was like, it, it served me perfectly that you brought it up. Uh, we got a couple of good LCBOs. I mean, an LCBO is only as good as their beer manager. Like uh, some of them try hard and some of them don't. We don't get the good stuff. Like we don't get, we're not the fucking, but the flagship LCBO in Toronto. Like we don't, uh, I don't think we get Utopia and who's the other one that was just there? I don't think that we had any Pesh Mortel in, in all of London, probably. Maybe hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we I only ever get uh, Pesh at Godspeed now, so there you go. 
Oh, well, I go to Godspeed. I'm in Toronto. <laughs> I can be there in eight minutes on my bicycle. Here's a place that does world-class lagers for $6 a pint once a week. I mean, that's fucking phenomenal. Yep. Sign me up, Sign me up for that. Yep. It's, it's like, I have people, I've had friends say to me, what's the deal with Godspeed? And I'm like, um, I mean, like, probably the best brewery in the country like what do you what, what do you want to know and they're like well like do they do they do like you know like sours and ipas and i'm like no i mean a little but no no they they mostly make really good pilsners and other types of lager and some interesting japanese influenced ingredients it's just really 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 well-made beer and they're like yeah but like what about like seasonals and like one-offs? I'm like, yeah, no, not, I mean a bit, but mm. you're like, well, why is it so cool? I'm like, eh, because it's the best beer around, like head and shoulders. It's just ridiculously good. I don't enjoy their tendency to add just a touch of smoke to their lagers. Like the mm. malt that they have, I'm not a smoke guy, but yes. I have a theory that Bim uses smoke malt like salt. He puts in just a little to just wake things up a little. 100% and I taste it and hate it because <laughs> it's like it's an, an, an anathema anathema I think it's an anathema yeah. yeah I have asthma so I can't breathe very well <laughs> I need my buffer um I think um, to get philosophical for a second I think anytime you have somebody making the beer who has a clear vision and a passion and like this is what I fucking love and then they go make it it's gonna be great like I think Bim is a guy who's like, he's he's gone all in on Czech stuff. That and is like, oh, what do you know? He's blowing out of the water. And yeah. that, like whatever you're in on, go in all the way. Like we've had uh, we've had Gavin Anderson. He's like, I just want to make well-made versions of like staple beers, and Anderson fucking kills it. I, I think there are breweries that marketing or ownership gets in the way a little bit, and they kind of like. You and I both know Ian McCoustra at Amsterdam, one of the best brewers I've I have ever known. But there's there's certain aspects of that brewery, like I don't think that he made that decision to make that beer. But where you when you let the people that are passionate about beer guide the business, it's just like it it it, it like you said, like with Godspeed, it it blows it out of the water. Yeah, I mean the flip though to a place like Godspeed, I, I, well I was gonna say the flip to it. I don't know. Part of it is I don't think Bim wants to become massive. Right. But I also don't think you can. Like, I think operating that way kind of confines you. He kind of has to have his hand on the till tiller most of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and and that's fine. That's great. It's a little... I remember talking... Well, when Mandy was still my co-host on the podcast, and we were talking, and um, this... What's that? Before your feud and you blew up fighting. I'm just That's saying. right. This is this is when she left. No, um, leave a podcast. How does that? How does a person leave? Should I reach out to Mandy? Yeah, yeah. We need we need both sides of the story. Um, but no, we were talking because I think it was they were getting like two new tanks. They were going from like four to six tanks at Wagstaff, and uh, and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, where are you putting them? Because I knew the space, right? And she's like, oh, we're gonna move this and that, and we're gonna end up with two rows of of tanks probably and i was like oh okay i think i can see that yeah yeah that and i was like what are you gonna do after that 
And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, like, is like steady growth kind of the 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 model? And she was like, and th- so this was years ago, right? Like six years ago, maybe. And uh, she was like, no, she was like, you know, if an opportunity came along where we could have another location, um, she's like, we, you know, we might, we might entertain that. And indeed, obviously they have, um, but she was like, our, our plan isn't to outgrow th- this space. Um, she's like, it's just, you know, we want to be successful. We want to support our staff. We want to have community involvement. And she's like, you know, there isn't like a fixed upper bound, but like, no permanent growth is not the the end plan. And I, I think it was like, Oh, I like, I kind of hope that people would believe that, but I've never actually had anyone to just actually say that and be like, no, like, you know, we have, we have an amount that we we would like to get to. And then after that, it's fine. We don't have to move into a giant warehouse. I feel like Buffield's an outlier. They're just, I feel like they're so logical with the way they approach things. I I don't actually know how they're doing it in Liberty. I hope that things are going well and they're killing it, but they're so calculated. Like I, I, I love Mark and Mandy. And I think they make great decisions and they make great beer. And it's like, they're not going to walk before they run ever. So they're kind of an outlier. Like they've, they've, they've got the balance of like the passion for making good shit and making good business decisions. And generally speaking, those two don't come together well, along with branding, which is maybe a third pillar that maybe breweries don't always do too well. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think about places like, like Indie Ale House. I'm obviously friends with Jason from Indie, but like a hundred years ago when they started, he's like, I want to start a brewery. And then he said, I want to be a brewery in Italy. Like he said that like a decade ago and he did it. Like the, don't be like, I want to, I want to make a million. Like if you get into this to be a millionaire, your beer's going to suck. You're going to suck. And people are going to smell it on you right away. Like there's got to be some passion and some goals and a bit of a mix of that. Well, well I think if you look at our society, uh, you know, as capitalist as most people are, if you're not seen looking at the next way to make more money in whatever you're doing, then a lot of people would look at you as unambitious, which is just maybe you're just can be satisfied. Maybe that's okay. And, uh, and there doesn't have to be a next level to go to. I mean, that's, incredibly refreshing to hear that from someone to your point that can actually vocalize that say hey we we have a path that we want to go down but doesn't doesn't have to go endlessly that doesn't always have to be the drive yeah i have a a friend who um what's i guess i guess he's in finance anyway it doesn't really matter he's he's a a desk guy you know i don't (laughs) i don't don't, he owns blazers. He's yeah, friend talk about my job. He has a he has a Patagonia uh, fleece vest. So, um, but send me a link to that. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but like pre pandemic, this is probably like 2018. Uh, he's a bit younger than me, a couple years younger than me, and uh, Desky Joe. Yeah, that's right, Desky Joe, and uh, he was getting a little over, you know, the grind you know, rise and grind or whatever it is the middle-aged people say. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, you know, what, what do you think? Like starting a brewery thing you can even do anymore. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. Starting a brewery is definitely a thing you can still do. And he was like, man, that, that, it just sounds like, ah, oh, it'd be so cool or whatever. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, a ton of, mostly thankless work but uh 
it's it's a a thing i'm like what like how serious are you and he was like i don't know like maybe we should get together and like you know map some stuff out or whatever and i was like yeah okay we can get together just remember this is like maybe 2018 maybe 2017 and he goes uh so we get we're hanging out having some beers and he's got like a yellow uh legal pad because i guess it looks official and uh i love that you're like <laughs> i love your impression love of, like, life. of like the car <laughs> This fucking guy had paper. What a piece of shit. He's wearing three vests. This fucking pants. guy had buttons on his shirt and a pad of paper like an idiot. His pants with a wool blend. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And uh, he goes. Well, so he's like, like five days a week. These two guys right here are pretty corporate. But yes, we love what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I know. And uh, <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, like, uh, what what's our starting cap? And I was like, well. I mean, honestly, you're going to need at least a million. If you got a million five, that'd be better. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, like not his money. Right. I'm like, you, you reckon we can, we can swing that. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Probably mix of, of, of banking and, and private finance. We can. Yeah. He's like million five. That's, that's workable. And I was like, maybe I should have opened with two, but anyway. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So you know, there's a bajillion logistics, but like, is this in Toronto or is it outside of Toronto? And he's like, well, you know, he's like, I've been spending a lot of time in like Corktown. Like, I think, you know, that, that, that area is like prime for, for a brewery. And I'm like, yeah. So a million five at least, cause we're going to need runway on that rent. Right. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, like what's the turnaround to profitability? And it's like, I don't know, man, three years maybe. And he was like, seriously? Well, and he goes, and he goes, seriously and i'm like yeah i'm like that's i mean could you do it faster maybe could it take a lot longer mm, very possibly and he was like well like what's the timeline for exit i was like oh you think you're gonna make money doing this and he was like well oh, of course. For all the wrong reasons he's like well of course and i'm like yeah, so there is no exit strategy. The exit strategy is when you go bankrupt. That's the exit strategy. <laughs> it's like the best case scenario is you get to keep doing it and not go out of business until you retire. That's the exit strategy. And he's like, oh, I don't think I want to do this anymore. <laughs> I've had a few of those conversations where people are like, hey, you're, you're a beer guy. I've got some money. Let, let, I'm like, you don't. I just talk to people out of it. Like a guy we went to high school with who sold a tech company. He was like, what do I do next? Actually came over. He's like, I'm thinking I should start a brewery. And I basically just said for like 30 minutes, I talked to him down. Like, here's why you should absolutely not be opening a brewery right now. It is Would you rather just throw that money on the fire now? We could save ourselves time. time in history. I'm like, if you just want to put like your name on a beer or something, there's ways to do this. But like, if this, this is not a vanity project. It is so dumb <laughs> to spend money on this right now. Yeah. But, but yeah. A top secret though, if you want to start a brewery, now's the time. A lot I mean, of inexpensive equipment for sale right now. <laughs> want to buy a brewery? I think this is a record. This is the best time possible. Yes, but why is that equipment available? <laughs> yeah, Are you sure it's the best time? I mean, crap beer is so expensive right now. Even the stalwarts are whining about it on their platform. Hey, that's right. Speaking of whining, bad intro, <laughs> bad, bad, bad segue. Give me a real whiny post corner here. <laughs> what are you looking for right now? I'm like a piece of paper with all of my. Fastidious notes today, man. Chris, we're gonna do Pell's Corner right I now. I love it. I need to apologize because I apparently did the worst Pell's Corner ever. Uh, so, 
I feel like you've been on this show more than once. That you were on with Cass and just me and you, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Maybe, uh, although we might have the just me and you might have been my podcast hmm. when you were re- re-firing this one up. I've never spoken with you before. Today. No, I was surprised at how you looked because I've only ever seen that little tiny bit of the thumbnail in yeah. the logo. I chose I chose a stupid picture of him on purpose and it's been this picture. I didn't even know you had hair, so that was <laughs> This was that was like deep in the pandemic where I hadn't touched my hair or my beard for six months and I shaved the head all off. And left. oh, so you don't have hair in that photo? No, I just assumed it was bad cropping or something. No, no. <laughs> the shortest I've had my hair since I was a kid, and uh, the longest I've had my beard ever. And for the, okay, let's roll with that for, for the listeners who want I've always wondered what Chris Pellerin really looks like. I would say he looks a bit like season two Bosch. You know that program? What's his name? He's also in Deadwood. Titus is his real name. But anyway, that's Chris. I don't know who any of those people are. I would say Chris... I started watching Bosch recently because we realized it's pretty good and there's seven seasons. So we're like, fuck, let's do it. And my wife keeps saying, that's Chris Pellerin. The actor is what? The manly, handsomer Stanley Tucci? Manly, handsomer Stanley Tucci. I would say more grizzled. But no, there's no Stanley Tucci comparison. Huh. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Is that how you think of yourself? I'm a more manly, grizzled. I'm trying Stanley to just Tucci. think of the guy you're talking about. But anyway, I can tell from Chris's face that I'm much handsomer than he was expecting. I'll find Literally, I was about to say, if I had to describe to the, the listener, I would say uh, Chris has very good bone structure and is five to seven years away from hitting Silver Fox. That's what I would say. Oh, that's a nice thing. You're maybe five to seven years late for uh, Silver Fox. I'm, You're pretty gray on the sides. I'm pretty close. Silver okay. Fox isn't just dependent on hair color. There's some, you know, age around the eyes, you know. Yeah. Okay. I think Your I'll skin's get... a little too good right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. You guys want me to I leave? Think we're ready <laughs> this is my way of apologizing for fucking up the Pell's Corner I did. Okay, we're going to pretend that the Pell's Corner theme song is playing now so I can edit it in. Go. I'm dancing even though I can't hear it. You look good. This is like when we were having the technical difficulties earlier. This is Bosch. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's a program? How do I make it? How do I make it? uh, See this guy? (laughs) No, yeah, that's not Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a manlier, Uh, more grizzled genitage? It's absolutely. Okay, Pell's Corner. Let's go. Here we go. This is why people tune in every week. So, in honor of uh, Valentine's Day, I hope that you're a hopeless romantic, Chris. Hopeless. A little bit of Valentine. Chris's email address. Can I reveal your email address on the show? Yeah, sure. So, Chris's wife's name is Erica. Chris's. I won't say the what 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 platform. Emails Erica's boy at. I kept man. (laughs) I often point out, now I didn't get it at that particular email provider. Spoilers, if you're real smart, you can figure out who it is because they didn't exist when I got the email address. I got it as an email address at yahoo.com two weeks after we started dating. And literally when I signed up for it, I thought, well, I'm going to have to change that email sooner than later. (laughs) Yeah. You kept it across two platforms. Yeah. You know what? My wife's email is CL Pellerin. And because she created that email 
for both of us when we lived abroad. And then I created my own, it's just my name. And nobody in my own family will email me. They will only email wife, my wife thinking it's a our, the only email wife. Our dual, our dual email account, just email wife. I got to tell you, I find the dual account both on email and social media to be awful. It just, it yeah, awful. it's it is literally the worst. No, it is great when I the only thing worse is a dog. My wife no. handles the whole thing for my immediate and extended family. She gets all the emails. The only thing worse than a dog or a kid account is a dog or a kid account when it's clearly the person just wants an account, but this is some sort of mental gymnastics they're doing to be like, well, it's not my, I'm not on social media. My dog's on social media. I'm like, yeah, but you're the only person I see on it. I never see your dog. And I like your dog. bro. The dog watches a lot of my stories. Does my dog have clever captions? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize your dog was so politically active. Anyway, right, we, we opened it up. By the way, I'm drinking another beer. You're drinking another beer. I'm drinking a Marco Polo. Speaking oh, of, that is indie. Yeah. This brought this one for me, and I couldn't refuse because I love this beer. I'm drinking a single headstock. Uh, uh, drunk Pokeroo single tribute to his new. Did Drunk Pokeroo help make the double headstock? Or they were just like, this is the guy who's going to love this beer, so we got to bring him in to promote it. You know, Chris? It, what the situation there is? Who's drunk? No, I no. don't. No. All right. That okay. I thought you meant, do I know drunk poker? I'm like, not personally, but I know who you're talking about. I don't know about that. But this isn't related to, was it just on social media? Sorry, we're really derailing the corner here. I love it. We'll close the corner and open it again. Let's close it up. Was it Refined Fool just posted a thing about the, you know, IPAs that are like double IPAs? I don't know. Oh, it's clearly a different thing. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, anybody who who uh, gets this this name reference likes The Simpsons as much as we do. And so I replied, approved. Because... Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Nico Brooks trying to kill drunk poker room, but here we go. <laughs> that guy drinks enough headstock. Let's double it up. All right, we're going to start with... Okay, well, let's open Pell's Corner again because I closed it for the tangent. I'm going to play... Yeah. It's opening... Do, 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 do. Okay, it's okay. open again. It's open again. All right, we'll start with the again. It's the Valentine's quiz. What's this? It's a, we're on a visual podcast. Really Chris is being very Italian with his hand gestures tonight. According it's to Roman mythology, why is that more offensive when you do it and you're Italian? Who is the son of Mercury and Venus? Whoa. Okay. How, you know, a, Roman is that Apollo? Ben, do you have an answer? Say it again. According to According Roman mythology. According to Roman mythology, who is the son of Mercury and Venus? Mm, I remember Vemsinop from Saved by the Bell. Those are planets. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to say Mars. Uh, Mars is Zeus in uh, in the Roman mythology. So he's not the son. Damn it. Uh, the answer is Cupid, guys. Uh, cl- oh, that makes- oh, shit. That makes a lot of sense. Valentine's quiz. I thought I'd start with an easy one. I thought Cupid was an angel and therefore Christian. I'm very confused. No. It's almost like it's all made up. Anyway. Eros in, uh, in uh, Greek mythology. Venus, Aphrodite. Anyway. Yeah, even when I said Apollo, because Apollo is, I think, Roman. And in Greek, the equivalent is... But uh, no Apollo was actually killed by uh, uh last week in an exhibition match yeah. after he sang a whole James Brown song. Okay, he just danced <laughs> in the song. No, he did the whole thing. Romance is linked to Valentine's Day due to the Allegedly. medieval belief oh. 
that the mating season of what animal begins February 14th? Humans. That makes sense. <laughs> that checks out, guys. That makes sense. The mating season of it. Some kind of animal begins February 14th. And this you said it was in what myth? In what tradition? No, romance is linked to Valentine's Day due to medieval. Medieval. Oh, time frame. The mating season of what animal begins on February the 14th? I'm going to go with a, a deer, stag. They're all sexy with their horns and shit. Yeah, horses, just because they've got big balls. Fox. The answer <laughs> is bird. Birds? Yeah. So. I should a highly them. seasonal animal. I might have gone with bears. They hibernate and they like to fuck. I should fuck a bird tomorrow. That's what I'm here. For those that are listening, we record on a Tuesday. So we don't know how Valentine's is going to go down for all of you. We hope it went well. Please fuck a bird. Because apparently the medieval people used to do that. That's what we're talking about. Fuck Absolutely. Here's a straightforward one for you guys. Why does chocolate... Why does my wife hate me? No. <laughs> Why am I spending Valentine's alone tomorrow? Why am I eating cheese on Valentine's Day? <laughs> we already answered that one. Yeah. Why does chocolate melt in your hand? But not in your mouth. No, just the hand. Because oh, it's hot. Yeah, what is that? Is that a real thing? Because the melting point of chocolate is lower than your body temperature. That's what I wanted <laughs> to hear, Chris. Seemed pretty straightforward. The melting point of chocolate is between 86 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Lower. Why does ice melt in my hand? Why does ice melt in water? Wait, is chocolate made of ice? And hotter than ice? Huh? Me fuck bird tomorrow? All right, point to Chris. He's leading. He was faster. Um, I think I would have got there. Yeah, he talked about the body temperature, too. He went real technical. <laughs> Biology. Um, which mammal boasts the largest heart? Whale. Blue whale. He got more specific. I'm going to award that one. Also, probably first. the biggest cock if we're going to keep it in a Valentine's. That's un probably. It's called a dork. Do you know that that's what the word dork is? It's a whale's dick. Really? True. Dork. Didn't know that. Did you know that sharks have two penises and they call them claspers? One is their tongue. <laughs> no, they're side by side. It's weird. <laughs> that is a little weird. Uh, pigs have a corkscrew penis. And know? it actually, like, literally screws into the pig's vagina so that they can't be pulled apart while they're fucking. Do they do a little spin? How do they do that? I and don't, I've never... Their tails connect before that sex. A third pig cranks the tail like this, and then the Can penis... Alright, let's go, 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 go. Rather three-way, no, no, no. Oh, no, why is Rick here? Why is Rick here? That's your cock cranker, I know him. He's just in charge of the curlies. I didn't consent to Rick coming on this date. Pretty presumptuous to bring your cock cranker to the party. <laughs> okay, let's go more cock trivia. More cock trivia. Do you have more? According to Statista, which Valentine penis is the longest? No, that's not the real question. Statista? Uh, according to... Statista or Statista, if you're Lucifer. Wait, what is that? Is that like a website? Like, why are we supposed to know what that is? Uh, I'm I'm citing where my stats are coming oh, cool, from, guys. Cool, cool. You guys, okay. at all? Just Statista. Uh, what is the least desired Valentine's gift by women? Least. The least desire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Flower. A vacuum. Uh, the traditional ones. Let me narrow it for you guys. What so, the fuck's a traditional Valentine's <laughs> ticket? Like chocolate roses, 
blowjobs? Chocolate rose blowjob. I mean, for women, do you still call it a blowjob for? I mean, if they're if they're like, hey, guess what I got you? I've never done it before, so I don't know the name. I <laughs> guess what I got for you. It's work for you, baby. <laughs> guess what I got for you? You can give me a blowjob. Oh my god! That would probably be the worst one that you could give. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, roses. Teddy bear. Teddy bear. Yeah, why would you want a teddy bear? Uh, that hurt. <laughs> I gave my wife a teddy bear every year for Valentine's Day. Is it definitely a teddy bear? Because a teddy is like a piece of lingerie. And I didn't know that as a kid growing up. And my, my parents would always joke around about a teddy. And I thought they meant the, the bear. And then I realized as a, not an adult, but a teenager, that, oh, they were talking about lingerie. And then I felt really creeped out by that. Felt like that wasn't an appropriate conversation to be having in front of, you know, eight-year-old me. I feel like it was, you know, show that, you know, sexual appetite's cool in front of your kids. My mom and stepdad were not um, super graphic, but they were very willing to discuss that they were very sexually active. It was weird. Son, do you have any questions about what you heard last night? Literally, well, not quite, but literally, yeah, that that's along the lines. They would, they, my mom said that it was, uh, it's good for kids' mental health if their parents have regular intercourse. And so frequently would say things like, uh, you know, I'd be going out and she'd be like, oh, what time are you going to be home at? And I'd be like, I don't know, like 1030. And she'd be like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to work on your mental health. And I'd be like, yep. So we'll make it an even midnight. That's fine. That's uh, then your stepdad's cock cranker would come over. Yeah, yeah. Rick would turn up and I'd be like, damn it! <laughs> you son of a bitch, me and my stepdad and his corkscrew penis. <laughs> it goes the other way in my house. My kids want to ask like hyper-specific questions about my wife and my sex life. I'm like, no, no. Oh, wow. Dude. How old are they? 11, 12, and 14. Okay, I've got 15 and 13 and they have no interest in discussing it whatsoever. When was the last time you had sex? Probably Ireland. Have you done it since? If you did, what position? I'm like, fuck off, what girls. Like, Whoa! Yeah, no, it's... it's, un- it's a The answer weird. to that, by the way, is why do you presume only one? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to brag about my sex life my kid. They uh, <laughs> said, oh, it was probably Ireland. I'm like, that was three months ago, but... Wait, what's, I don't the, feel what's like... the Ireland position? Uh, <laughs> it's in a pool. You guys do Irish style? It's in a pool with just the genitals above the water. Why is that Irish? It's, it's an island. He's doing the thing again. Uh, an an okay. We got 17 more questions to get through. Um, yeah. <laughs> in 2023, consumers on average were projected to spend how much money on Valentine's Day per person? Where? This is an American poll. Per person? Per person on Valentine's Day. How much money? Uh, 150. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, should have been faster. Okay, 168. 193 US, so almost $1,000 Canadian. (laughs) By the the rules of prices, right? Ben wins that one. Uh, It's a lot of money. Um, I've got the guy coming tomorrow to repair a dishwasher. So, <laughs> pew, 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 pew. dude, I had to put a new sunroof on my car. Wow, that's not a cheap endeavor. What does that have to do with Valentine's Day? I think he was talking about <laughs> tomorrow having the. the I thought you were talking about spending money. Oh, that's my Valentine's present. Oh, I just thought you were complaining about having to spend money, and I was like, dude, I just had to do this thing. Sorry. It's a joke. The guy's coming to fix our dishwasher tomorrow. I bought craft beer last week. It's going to be very good. 
<laughs> what a $17 craft beer. I went to the Blood Brothers thing and told my wife about it. Happy Valentine's Day. Last question for you guys. According to Billboard, what is the top love song of all time? Oh, man. Hmm. That's a great question. That is a good question. Top, like, oh, and it's Billboard. That's interesting. Yeah, like, you know, it's going to be something popular. I'm going to say, I'm just going to pick one of the best and roll the dice with something in the way by the Beatles. Hmm. I was going to say, pour some sugar on me. I like Chris's answer better. (laughs) You get a point. The answer is endless love. Oh. Bonus question. Who sang the duet of endless love? No idea. Adam Sandler. My endless love. Is that you? Mean you to close the show? What about Total Eclipse? Why wasn't it Total Eclipse of the Heart? That's what I want to know. I mean, that's a good... uh, That would have been a better guess, maybe, than... uh, pour some sugar on me i I mean i liked it that's maybe like a top 10 sex song that's got to be the number one song for like a lap dance strip tease from your partner that's a good one maybe we're dating ourselves a bit (laughs) just a little (laughs) i gotta tell you when it comes to lap dances i am always dating myself because hi oh because no one's listening anymore yeah let's talk about best best uh dance songs in a strip club can we do that can I, take Can I tell you I've only ever been to a strip club once and yeah. I will really upset you with how it went. No, you won't because I've had... Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I understand so, I could be terrible. <laughs> the only time I've been to a strip club was for my brother-in-law's uh, stag. This, this is my wife's brother, not my sister's husband. Wife's brother. First part of the night amazing just drinking at a guy's apartment walking down college street with roadies loved it anyway the point was we we're going to for your eyes only which like I come on I've guys like i think i've heard of it yeah it's like bathurst and king it's on king street it's next Finn mccool's I, I'm, I'm familiar when we got there we decided we decided uh because it was a stag to spring for the vip section oh boy so we're up in the vip section drinking really bad really expensive drinks but there are like booths behind us but they have like curtains through the champagne rooms so there are people fucking right behind me not happy about this just there's There's no chris i mean people might be ejaculating in their jeans but i don't think they're actually having sex but carry on With with accompanying noises. Anyway, um, so then after a while, we decided that the VIP was creepy and weird. Oh, while we were up there, a couple of the guys decided to try and figure out which was the ugliest and or fattest dancer and get uh, David not one, but three lap dances from that dancer. Uh, So I felt pretty bad about that whole situation. That's cool. We ended up going down to the main floor. I don't know why, but we did. And we ended closing the strip club down and the lights came on, which is not a good thing in a strip club. But at that point, I was sitting at a table with my buddy, one of the guys from the party and a completely naked stripper talking about the religious themes in the music of U2. (laughs) That's how I spent my strip club time. That's your only strip club experience? Yes, sir. 
Oh, that was pretty awesome. To pretty much bang on for how our trip club night could go. It actually sounded maybe a little more entertaining. So I was not having fun. My first strip club experience, I was 18 years old with a fake ID, and someone took me to uh, Solid Gold right here in London. One of the oldest bars in our city. There are hmm. one of the three oldest bars in the city still functioning. Not free, baby. Uh, but I went and uh, bouncers uh, carried a coffin on stage. And this woman got out and danced to Living Dead Girl by Rob Zombie. And she was, I mean, I was 18, but gorgeous. And like, I had like, a, like wooden spikes, like a vampire and leather. And the spikes were on fire. And she would rub the spikes like across her body or stomach. And the fire, she was on fire. Like she had some sort of alcohol. And I'm like, this strip club is the greatest place in the world. It was like insane. That's back when stripping was an art. Right. And then I went. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, strip clubs are great. And then I went again and I'm like, this is the most depressing place in the world. It didn't, it's never lived up to that like insane night of like, it was, she was like Miss Nude Canada and it was stupid. But I still like that song. And then Ben went 30 times after that. And then he just wanted to make sure. Chasing that, I've been chasing that dream of Miss Nude Canada rob zombie i was going to say you know while we're dating ourselves with some of the stuff def leppard and whatnot have you guys seen the empire strips back no I, but they advertise that to yeah. me like every day on instagram yeah, me too. Me too. it's just targeted ads if you looked at anything star wars I'm like what's the new movie with ray <laughs> and then now all of a sudden you're just getting hammered with empire strips back it's, it's so we're going i actually kind of want to it's it's not stripping guys it's burlesque like that's yeah, art Classy. It's burlesque with stormtrooper helmets. You know Titty tassels are artistic. Titty tassels. And... These are great dancers with less attractive faces, and they're the stormtroopers. Wow. <laughs> I think we're going to end on that note. Chris, thank you. We've gone well over time. I appreciate you coming on to the show for an hour and a half. Good to meet you finally, Chris. I nice to meet you, too. We're going to work at the same time, but. As somebody our age, I know that there's always two Chris's in every classroom and workplace. I went to high school with not one, but two other Chris Smiths. My last name was Smith at the time. And that's pretty messed up. Yeah. Sorry but for your for your traumatic high school experience. Yeah. Maybe anyway. Like, yeah, it just screams prejudice. No, wait, no, it's actually fairly generic. You should be okay. Chris there's a reason why I changed my name. Okay. Anyway, pleasure being here, guys. Sorry I wasn't drinking beer. It's okay. You were. You, you, were you leaned into the bullshit. You, you leaned into the bullshit. I tried. It was a ton of fun. Thank you, Chris. A longhorn. Longhorn lager? Do I look like a sarsaparilla man to you? One longhorn coming up. Longhorn lager by Farmer's Creed Beer. Grab the bull by the horns at select beer and LCBO stores. Listen, never turtle. If you do that, they'll call you Myrtle. Let's go.
Hey, what have you been up to since last week? Oh, it's been a good time, eh? It's 